Hello, hi, and welcome to this episode of the Mandy Mayer podcast. As per usual, this is the podcast all about fat loss, health, getting healthier, goals, smashing those goals, and everything else that comes with it. And again, a lot of the information on this podcast doesn't only relate to fat loss, but it relates to everyday things and your mindset around getting shit done. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast or dropped it a rating or a review, please don't forget to do so. I opened up the story questions on my Instagram account at Running for Mayor. If you're not yet following me on Instagram, head over there and do so, please. So I opened up the questions on my Instagram stories and I asked if you had any questions for the podcast that you would like me to answer. And I got hundreds of responses. So thanks so much for that. I have gone through all the questions. Unfortunately, I can't answer all of the questions in one short episode, but I have listed all, 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 all the questions. And over several episodes, I will pop in the questions here and there and answer them for you. So be sure to continue listening to every single episode that I do release. All right, let's jump into it. So the first question I want to chat about or I want to answer is, the question reads, talk about the value your smartwatch is giving you. Now, the reason why I am answering this question is because I know that many people believe that they need a smartwatch to track absolutely every single little thing that they do to be able to lose fat, which is not the case, right? So currently, yes, I've got quite a good smartwatch. The only reason that I have the watch currently is for my running. So if anyone knows me, knows that I run distance. I run long distances. I do a lot of training and the watch really helps me monitor my heart rate. It helps me monitor my pace. It helps me monitor absolutely everything when it comes to my running. So when it's giving me value, it's giving me value for my running and for the improvement there of and not for fat loss. That is one thing I want to point out. When I was in my initial stages of of fat loss and I was just doing my steps every single day for movement, the only thing that I had was a monitor, a step monitor, so that I could collect data on the amount of steps that I was doing and go through that data and then improve on it, right? So again, anyone that is starting their fat loss journey, I want you to know that you don't need the newest, most expensive smartwatch to be able to start your fat loss journey right? That is so, so, so important for me because a lot of people, you won't believe how many questions I get about my watch. Now, another thing about smartwatches is, yes, this watch tells me how many calories I burn. Yes, it tells me the sleep. Yes, it tells me absolutely everything. Do I take all of that to heart and base absolutely everything off it? No, right? Because a lot of the times, most of the times, your smartwatches are not 100% accurate at all. So when it tells me how many calories I burn per run or per exercise, I don't even take that into consideration because we shouldn't be basing how good our exercise was on how many calories we burnt, right? So at the end of the day, you don't need a super expensive smart watch to get going on your fat loss expedition. One thing I will say though is if you can get an entry level step monitor, 
right? It does help motivate you to gradually increase those steps. That I know for a fact that I've seen with myself right in the beginning and I've seen with many people. Because the moment you see a number and you write it down, you're like, oh, today I got 6,000 steps. Then you're like, I wonder what I can get tomorrow, right? So again, when you see how many steps you get in, immediately you want to try and improve it. So there is a benefit to having a very entry-level step monitor, even if it is one of those ones that you clip onto your shoe or clip onto your belt and just monitor your steps daily. But do you need a massively expensive smartwatch? Absolutely not. The next question I'm going to dive into, I do think it is on so many people's minds and it's something that I had to navigate and overcome on my own, my very own fat loss expedition for my fat loss to be a success. Now the question reads as follows, how to not overeat on the weekends? So the first thing I want you to do is have a look at your calorie consumption, your food consumption, and your levels of restriction for during the week. Now, I know you're probably thinking, oh, but Mandy, it's not the weekdays that is the problem. It's the weekends. But a lot of the time, your weekend overconsumption stems from your weekday underconsumption. I'll say that again. A lot of the times, your weekend overconsumption stems from your week day under consumption. Let me break that down for you. A lot of times during the week you over restrict your food, you over restrict your calories, you totally cut out absolutely any form of enjoyment and by the time the weekend comes you cannot hold out anymore and then you have one biscuit and then you think to yourself screw this I'm going to have the entire box of biscuits because from Monday I'm not allowed to have any more of these biscuits and that's the train of thought that runs through your mind so then all of a sudden you use the weekend to over consume food because you've made yourself believe that during the week you need to under consume food and there's certain foods that you're not allowed to have. Now that is the mindset that you need to try and break. You need to try and relook your levels of flexibility during the week or sorry your levels of restriction during the week. You also need to have a look at your calorie consumption during the week and not cut it too low. Then you also need to have a look at your weekend routine because remember during the weekdays you got solid routine, solid structure. There's a lot less time for you to become bored because of your job, because of just the routine and the structure that you have during the weekdays. And then on the weekend, that routine and structure is taken away and you have no idea what to do with yourself. Now you're bored and that ends up with you in the snack cupboard. So again, have a look at your weekend routine. Have a look at your weekend activities, the things that you do over the weekend. And ask yourself, are your weekend actions aligned with your current health goals? On the weekends, you also have more time to be social. And when you're more social, that might then include more high-calorie dense foods. It might include more alcoholic beverages. Those are the things that you need to assess. Those are the things that you need to question yourself and ask yourself, does this align with my goals? You also need to, this was very difficult for me right in the beginning, I had to acknowledge to myself that the weekends, those two days, the Saturday and the Sunday, form part of a seven-day week. And I cannot just be, for the lack of better words, dieting during the weekdays and then going all raucous and crazy on the weekends. That is what I did in the beginning and that is why a number of my dieting attempts failed. The moment that I accepted the fact that there's seven days in the week and that all seven days 
count towards my consistency. That's the moment where I realized I needed to make some changes to my weekend actions. Was it easy? Absolutely not. But I knew for this to work, I would need to put new habits in place on the weekend, habits that aligned with my current health goals. Now, a lot of people believe that when you're trying to lose fat, when you're trying to get healthy, you need to sell your social life on Amazon or eBay or Gumtree or whatever it is. And that is the thing that puts a lot of people off losing fat or trying to get healthy because they're like, well, I'm not going to give up my social life. And that is the one mindset that you also need to work on when it comes to weekends is you don't need to give up your social life. You just need to make more calculated decisions when it comes to your food and drink around your social life or social gatherings. I realized that not every single social event had to end up in 3 a.m. Jaeger bombs and steers and a hangover the next day. I also realized that not every single dinner experience out at a restaurant had to be high calorie foods. I realized that I could make smart calorie swaps and still enjoy my time out. So in short, set up a weekend routine that aligns with your new current goals and then do everything in your power to stick to that routine. After smashing and navigating the first couple of weekends, no matter how hard it is, that feeling of empowerment that comes with that, you've seen results after navigating the first couple of weekends. It is a phenomenal feeling. It is something that's going to motivate you to want to push harder and smash even more weekends. All right, let's move on to the next question. The following question reads as follows. How do you find motivation to start when everything hurts from being overweight? Now, I read through that question and I read through that question and I read over it and I read over it and I'm like, essentially, that has to be your motivation as to why you want to start, right? I always bang on about how important it is to find a why, a very personal why. And as I read through that question, I'll read it again. How do you find motivation? motivation to start when everything hurts from being overweight. Everything hurting from being overweight should be your motivation and your reason why you want to start and why you want to make healthier changes to your lifestyle so you can rid that pain that comes from being overweight. Now I know that might sound harsh but I'm going to tell you now a lot of the times just hearing that from someone else like myself for example makes it a lot clearer. That's that penny drop moment. So really that should be the reason why you want to start. Now again when everything hurts from being overweight I've seen a lot of people try and jump straight into running or straight into CrossFit and straight into these high intensity activities that put a lot more pressure on your joints and when you are overweight you are carrying extra weight which makes it even more painful on the joints right so again please remember that you don't need to be doing any of those crazy exercises right in the beginning focus on your other habits most important one being your nutrition the moment you start changing your nutrition and your food choices and you start adding more nutrient dense foods and less processed foods 
that's really going to help reduce the pain as well. And the moment that pain starts reducing slowly but surely, that's the moment where you start incorporating a few more walks every year and there. Start by five minutes, work your way up to 30 minutes. It doesn't all have to be intense from the beginning because that is going to put you off it because you're going to try and do jumping jacks and you're going to be like, I can't do this. It's too sore. And then you're going to think to yourself, well, this is not for me. So again, if everything is in pain, start by changing your nutrition. Start by increasing your water intake. Just those two things. And then start adding, like I say, one or two extra steps per day. And if you start feeling extra pain, stop and say, cool, I managed to get a thousand steps per day. We use that as a benchmark and tomorrow we try and get a thousand again. And you gradually work on it. Remember, nutrition is the pilot of your fat loss airplane and exercise is just the co-pilot or the cabin crew. So focusing on your nutrition and your other daily habits, that is also going to bring you phenomenal results. Moving on to the next question. The next question reads, it's scary thinking of maintaining weight and not putting it back on. Any tips, please? Now, I know why it is so scary when it comes to the thought of maintaining weight because many times, I know myself included, we've done several fad diets, we've lost the weight and then all of a sudden, boom, we put that weight back on and that thought stays or that experience stays in our minds and it's something we can't get rid of because we're like, oh, well, we've lost 10 kilograms in the past but you weren't able to maintain it. You need to go back to all those past experiences and assess them and find out and figure out how you lost the weight, what fad diet you did to lose the weight, and then acknowledge the fact that it was potentially a fad diet and something that you could not have sustained for a long period of time. Hence why the weight came back on or that you gained weight again. So let's say, for example, for four weeks you cut out absolutely everything that was a carbohydrate. Sustainable? No. Did you manage to lose weight? Yes. Did you gain the weight back? Yes. Because during that four-week stint of cutting out every single thing of enjoyment in your life, you didn't focus on the fundamentals. You didn't focus on building healthy daily habits. You didn't focus on creating a lifestyle, a lifestyle that you could maintain for the rest of your life. So when it comes to maintaining weight, I know it is a scary thought, but I'm going to be very honest with you here. If you start your fat loss expedition and you are okay with slower progress, which really, realistically, you should be because that is the secret to maintaining the fat that you have lost, is creating healthier daily habits, creating a lifestyle out of it. Remember, this is you doing it for the long run. This is not some quick fix of four weeks. And the moment you accept that and you acknowledge that, that's the moment where you start becoming okay with slower progress on the scale, but also acknowledging progress in all other areas. That thought in your mind really needs to shift from, I want to lose weight as quick as possible. Two, and this is very important, that thought in your mind needs to think as follows, this is who I am now, this is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life, these are the habits that I want to have in my daily life for the rest of my life. 
By thinking like that, you're already setting yourself up for successful maintenance because you know the habits that you are working on now for a healthier lifestyle is the habits that you are going to stick to for the rest of your life. Moving on to the next question, how to keep looking after yourself high on the priority list? Easier said than done. Now, firstly, everything on this journey, most of the things on this journey is easier said than done, right? And I want us to try and break that mindset or break away from that mindset because if we're going to say it's easier said than done all the time, we're sort of going to create that mindset of this is fucking difficult. And yes, I'm not I'm not saying it's not difficult. It is. There's certain parts of this journey, a lot of the parts of this journey that are difficult, right? But we need to approach it with the mindset of, I can do this. I want to do this. Is there going to be difficult days? Absolutely. But I'm going to find a way to navigate those difficult days. Now, one thing I want you to know and understand as well, and and, and I speak from my heart here because it is something that I also struggled with is to put myself first. And one thing you need to remember is that if you don't have a full cup you can't help others, right? That is so important to remember, right? You need to look after yourself to be able to continue to help others. And if you continue trying to pour out of an empty cup, you're not going to be able to help anyone anyway, right? So it's so important to set boundaries for yourself. Know the areas where you struggle in and why you struggle to put yourself first and put yourself top of the priority list and put some boundaries in place when it comes to that. On the 20th of February, so about three and a half weeks ago, we got some news that was not the greatest news regarding my mom's health. Now, the reason I tell you that is because I realized in the last three and a half weeks that I had exceptionally high stress levels. I also realized that if I don't put myself top on the priority list of things to do on a daily basis, there is going to be no way that I'm going to be able to continue doing the things that I need to do, the things that require my attention. So supporting my group members, being there for them, helping them every single day, helping them with strategies, etc, etc, and then being there for my mom and my family and supporting them, right? So immediately, instinctively, you'll be like, oh, I've got to throw myself into all of those things first and then put myself last, which is not the case. I wrote down, I'm like, cool, Mandy, what is your priorities? What are the things that you really need to focus on that require your energy and your mental energy? And I was like, cool, family, work, myself. Which one comes first? Myself. Why? Because when I put myself first, I'm filling my own cup. And when my own cup is full, I can then pour that over into the other two remaining sections. Now, a lot of people will believe that that is selfish, but if you think of it and you look at it like that, it is not selfish. It's actually you being caring. So by looking after yourself first, you are then capable or able to be able to be there for other people. So currently, I'm saying no to everything that I know is going to drain me mentally because I need that mental power and I need to focus on myself and my mental power so that I can continue moving forward and focusing on all the other priorities as well. I know it may not make sense right now, but I heard somewhere once, I'm not sure where I heard it. I'm like, you get two kinds of people. You get people that are like vacuum cleaners and you get people that are like batteries. And the people that are like vacuum cleaners, they suck and they drain all your energy 
Whereas the people that are like batteries, they actually recharge your energy. So you want to surround yourself with people that are like batteries, the battery people, like not necessarily the battery people at the shops that change your car battery, right? But the, the analogy is surround yourself with people that are like batteries so that they can recharge your energy. Always remember that when you say yes to things that you don't want to do just to please others, what you're essentially doing is you are saying no to yourself. So when you say yes to your friend to go out and get pissed when you don't want to get pissed because it doesn't align with your goals, you are saying yes because you don't want to disappoint your friend, but the only person you will be disappointing or saying no to is yourself and your goals. Always remember that. And the most important thing, get a pen, get a piece of paper, write this down. It is not selfish to put yourself first. The next question reads as follows. How to adjust your calories or macros if you have hormonal imbalances or polycystic ovary syndrome? So let's go with the polycystic ovary syndrome. A lot of the times, and again, this is very different from person to person that has got polycystic ovary syndrome. So in general, a lot of the times what we see happening with someone who has got polycystic ovary syndrome is that there's a decrease in your basal metabolic rate. So it means that if you have got polycystic ovary syndrome, your chances of burning less calories at rest is a little bit higher than someone who doesn't have polycystic ovary syndrome. Now this also isn't always the case. Someone with polycystic ovary syndrome might only burn a few, little bit less calories. Maybe someone else with polycystic ovary syndrome might burn far, far less calories. So again, remember your calories are just, or your calorie goals are just a number and they can be tweaked. So my advice here, if you have got polycystic ovary syndrome is to use my online calorie calculator at mandymayer.com. Get a starting point of what your calories should be. So your calorie goal for the day, get a starting point of what it should be and start with that number. So if your goal reads as 1,800 calories per day, start with that. Why? Because you're getting used to your food choices. You're learning about the nutritional values. You're working on your other fundamental habits in the background as well. Then after two or three weeks of being consistent and hitting that 1,800 calories per day on average, right? And your weight hasn't dropped. Then you say, okay, cool. Then I'm potentially not within a calorie deficit because maybe I have got a lower base or metabolic rate. Then you drop it by 150 calories. Then for the next week or two weeks, you work at 1,650 calories and you continue like that. You continue like that until you hit the sweet spot. Now, keeping in mind, you don't want to drop your calories to an exceptionally low amount. It's very rare that I have seen that taking place. One or two occasions we've had to drop it to a very low amount due to polycystic ovary syndrome, but most cases not. So you can then increase your calorie deficit amount by increasing your steps per day. So let's say, for example, you're now on 1,400 calories per day and the fat loss is still a little bit slow. Have a look at your steps. Look what your current daily 
these steps are and then ask yourself, can I increase my steps? Because if you can increase your daily movement, you would then increase your calorie expenditure per day, which is then going to place you in a greater calorie deficit. But remember, get a starting point for your calories and then consistently hit those calories, consistently hit your steps. If that number on the scale isn't shifting, if your body composition isn't changing, tweak your calories, drop them down a little bit and continue doing that until you hit the sweet spot with your calories. Now this can go for anyone, not just with people or for people that are struggling with polycystic ovary syndrome. Absolutely anyone. If your goal of calories is set to 2000 per day in a deficit and you've been controlled and consistent for a couple of weeks and you have not seen a shift, you can then drop your calories by 150. Because remember, your calories are not always going to be set in stone that specific number. It's a constant change of calories as say your body composition changes as well or as your activity level changes etc etc so that's always something to be aware of and to be mindful of that's pretty much the questions that I'm going to cover in today's episode like I said I have got a fair amount of questions and I've listed them all down and I will continue working through all the questions on a number of episodes as we do move forward. If at any point you feel like someone else could learn from this episode, please feel free to share it with them. If at any point you want to buy me a virtual coffee, the link is in the bottom of the show notes. I'm going to love and leave you like I usually do. Keep smiling, keep laughing, and please, please keep being kind to one another. Much love, your friend who has been through it all, Mandy.